Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 21, I think. <laughs> we are live at Conduit um, without producer Jordo and without um, Howard, but we have several guest stars, so we're going to go ahead and launch into it. Um, Dan Taglinus. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart. Oh, I, I thought you were going to make Rob say it. Um, we have Rob Wells. I didn't Wells. think he'd be able to. Um, Rob Wells is actually <laughs> pretending to be Howard. Um, so he'll answer to Howard, right, Howard? Sure, sure. Um, Rob Wells is Dan's brother and also a, um, a, a fine writer in his own right. But we also have a very special guest star, um, Ellie, Ellie Modesit. Or I said it wrong after getting <laughs> Ellie Modesit Jr. Hi, Lee. Hi, Brandon. Um, Lee is going to be sitting in with us today, and our podcast topic today is actually going to be one that Lee suggested, which is the practicality, pr- writing practical fantasy. What, what do you mean by that, Lee? What I meant was, it's actually the reason I got into writing, writing fantasy as opposed to science fiction. And I got really ticked off many, many years ago when I read a fantasy that had 10,000 armed knights running around on each side. Because being an economist and having been trained in semi-practical stuff, I realized that when it takes 1,200 acres to support one armed knight, you don't have a country that you can hold together with horses if you've got 10,000 on each side of a war. Okay. And likewise, I always wondered about all these people running off on crusades with no money. The only time that ever happened in history was the Children's Crusade, and they all got, di- they all got killed or enslaved. And yet, these were fantasy tropes that people were using. And I thought, you know, in this writing business, you really ought to stick close to at least some what I would call human practicality, the way people actually operate if they're at all human. Okay. Um, Let's try and delve into a few uh, big fantasy cliches in this area. I don't want to say... Cliché is the wrong word. Um, Big problems with fantasy that you you see a lot. Um, Lee, what are the big ones? Well, I think the big ones is that people don't understand economics. Basically, everything in human society, any kind of advanced society, requires some form of trade, and it's got to be paid for. If everybody does magic, it has, should we say, no economic value. Right, okay. Um, Second, another trope that it's not economic, but but it's... it is resorted to far too often is the dumb villain. Okay, yeah. I mean, if somebody's a powerful villain that's going to be really a challenge to your hero, they're not going to be dumb. They may have different set of values, but they're not going to be stupid. Um, Dan or uh, Rob, have you had any of these that you've seen that really bug you? Um, I think one of the ones that's becoming really common because of role-playing games and video games is misunderstanding the movement of money, like you said, with economics. Um, if, if you actually do have a society where it costs five gold coins to buy a dagger, then that means that steel is more valuable than gold. 
and you probably have just screwed up your economy. The video games have to do that because they need some system of showing money. You shouldn't do that in writing. You need to actually figure out, you know, how much would it cost? You don't necessarily have to go that deep, but make sure that you don't have these kind of wildly ridiculous imbalances. Okay. Rob, anything? Or Howard? Oh, yes. Luxury. Um, <laughs> uh, I just read a book um, not too long ago that, uh, that this bothered me a lot in, and it was um, uh, kind of a similar situation to, to what Lee was talking about uh, with, with the economics of it. It was, it was an area where they um, described, I mean, we knew how many people lived there, and we knew generally the size of it, and it was very small, and yet uh, we were believing that these people were growing their own food, and it just didn't make any sense. And so, I, I thought of another one. Okay, go for it, Lee. The city in the desert. Okay. No water supply, no fields, no agriculture, but you've got this enormous cosmopolitan city in the middle of the desert. And often there's even no magic to rationalize it by. Uh, what do they eat? Where does it come from? How do they stay alive? Well, and on that note... Uh, going into science fiction, you have the, the problem, the ecological problem where one planet is one single terrain type. The ice planet, the desert planet, the jungle planet. Dune, I think, is the only book that's ever made that work because he spent half the book giving it a solid scientific grounding. Other than that, it's just not a feasible way for a planet to function. Okay, let's take off on that in a different sense. There's what I call techno-porn. Uh, Be careful, we have a PG rating. Well, by techno-porn, I mean the love and the science fiction of a technological gadget or sets of gadgets that would never actually be implemented. And I'll give a historical example of this. At the 1939 World's Fair, they projected that we'd all have helicopters and commute to work by the 1960s. Can you imagine five million personal helicopters converging on New York City? (laughs) Uh, Wait, you guys don't have your own helicopter? (laughs) (laughs) Mine's parked out back. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's technologically feasible. You could build those 5 million helicopters, but you wouldn't have the air control system to operate it, and people couldn't afford them. But it's technologically feasible. This is what I call techno-porn. If you're going to write about a technology, you have to figure out, is it going to fit in the society that you're actually contemplating? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to build it? Why would anybody use it? Okay. One I've um, heard a lot, which actually scared me a ton when I was beginning to write, was all of the horse people complaining that authors who write horses in fantasy don't know what they're talking about. Um, and, you know, with this, horses in particular, there's still a lot of people who have horses, who ride horses, who know about horses. Most of your readers, um, this is not a reason to not get it right, but most of your readers are not going to be economists like Lee is. Um, and they may not notice these things, but, you know, the horses are going to get noticed, which is why there are so few horses in my books. <laughs> um, no, really. Um, in writing, we have an old adage. It goes, write what you know. Um, usually, this is being used to refer to realistic fiction, saying, you know, write stories from your life or places that you lived or things that you did. And I always thought, well, this... This doesn't apply to me. This is complete bunk because I write fantasy. What do I know? No one knows what this is. No one's lived in these places. I have to write what I don't know. But as I've come to understand, there is a, a, another level of this, um, of this adage, which re- refers to if you don't know 
anything about something that your readers will know about, you're going to have to be very careful. Your choices are to either research that, to ignore it and write it poorly, or to try and write around it, which is what I generally do. My characters don't go sailing. I haven't had the time to research sailing in the extent that I want to, um, and so I haven't written any books about sailing. I, I would be completely... I, I wouldn't write the book like Kevin J. Anderson just wrote, which was a, an entire sailing novel, or David Drake's Lord of the Isles. These are, these are stories of, that involve a lot of this sort of thing. I just didn't write that. I wrote what I knew. What do I know? I've grown up in a city. I talk about city life. This is why my characters don't travel very much. It happens in one city because the stories I want to tell and the things I know about happen in this, this sorts of situations. And so um, if you want to know about things, you could research them and learn how to do them. Uh, an- another way thing you can get away with is what I did in The Way of Kings with um, having a character who is a surgeon. Um, I-, I took it from two different tacks. One, I did, a- did some research, and we'll talk about research later in the podcast. Um, and then I gave it to a surgeon afterward and said, find where I'm writing things wrong. Um, and he did. He read it, and he gave us a, a bunch of feedback on it. Um, and it was actually F. Paul Wilson um, that we gave it to because um, I have connections. So, um, he, you know, we got, we got feedback on that and to get it accurate. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, let's go ahead and pause for a break. Lee, you are going to tell us about our book of the week, which also happens to be one of your books. The book is Imager, and it is available in audio, hardcover, and paperback. And it is the first book of the Imager portfolio, which will be a trilogy followed by another trilogy. Okay. Um, You like to do that double trilogy thing. Well, it's because I have the feeling that I don't do more than three books about a given character very well because I believe in character change, and if you go more than three books, 
you turn people into emotional plastic people because they have to twist so much to make it believable. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so you can download the, – the first book is called – Imager. Imager. Um, and it, it, it's steampunk, isn't it? A little bit? Uh, not quite, but it's called Victorian Age – Victorian Level techn- Technology with the remnants of a guild system okay. and early steam power. So sort of steampunk fantasy, maybe, stretched slightly. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't read any of Lee's books or listened to him, they're fantastic. Um, I highly recommend them. He's an excellent writer. Um, one of the writers that I read quite a bit before I um, broke in myself. And so you can download a free copy of Imager at Audible by going to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse and get your 15-day free trial and give his audiobook a listen. All right, so um, second half of the podcast, let's talk about how to not make these mistakes. Um, do you have any advice, podcasters, for aspiring writers who are now thinking, wow, I know nothing about economics. I am going to fail hardcore and massively. Lee, what can they do? I think the simplest thing is think about who produces it, how you would get it as a consumer, and about what you would pay for it. We don't necessarily know. You don't have to know economics. You just have to know one simple rule. Nothing in a society is free. And if you start from that point of view and just think about it, you can avoid the worst mistakes. Okay. Um, Dan, any, any advice? Um, we're trying to develop a system like that. Look for any way you could break it. In fact, if you have some friends who are good, hardcore role players, get them to just power game your system and try to oh, break wow. it in half. That's clever. Because that is where they're going to find every loophole. They're going to find some way in the economy or the magic system or the whatever that you've developed, they'll find the ways to become instantly powerful by you know, getting whatever. So look for the ways to break it and then try to patch those holes. Rob, any suggestions? Uh, yeah, and well, and I admit I, I'm not a fantasy writer. I write science fiction and YA science fiction, so it's very light science fiction. Anyway, but um, but my my suggestion, something that you mentioned earlier when you're talking about the city in the desert, I was thinking um, that that is a great a great writing exercise to take some of these these uh, tropes of fantasy or just any any writing, uh, take those tropes and then say, all right, well, why is this a city in, a, in the desert? And you can take your original vision of the city in the desert and then say, well, what is, how do they survive? What would allow this to happen? Is it, is it magic? Is it uh, that they are the hub of trade and they're, they have some resource there that isn't water, but people bring them water? And right. So I think that it's a, a great writing exercise. You can take these things and you can say, well, how could this work? Why would this happen? Okay. It's kind of like the, the Mythbusters idea, is once you've decided something doesn't work, you just keep adding stuff to it until it does. Until mm-hmm. it explodes. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that concept because um, it, is, it does describe a way that sometimes I do my fiction. Uh, we, we talk about, I mean, one way to phrase this would be by calling it top-down um, storytelling, um, where you start with, this is what I want to have happen. How can I make it happen? And I've talked before about my own writing process where I, I often will build my plots that way, where I'll start with the ending and say, how can I build to this great ending that I've just thought of? You could use it with your really cool world-building element. Um, Lee, any other advice? How did, you, know, you were an economist. Do you have any like, little tricks and little tips that can, that can help us understand the economics of practical fantasy? <laughs> I think I actually gave you the first one. Yeah. And the basis of it is just think about 
how you as an individual would function in that situation. Okay. How do you pay for things? How do you buy things? Who, where do you get it from? Did, would you say that looking at the agricultural base is a way to start? Um, you brought up the nights and a lot of things we've looked at. You, know, you said the city in the desert. Food really is the basics, basis of economy. Actually, it is. And basically, it's the basis of any society above subsistence. Any society above a subsistence level has to have what we call, in economic terms, an agricultural surplus. That is to say, the people who produce the food have to produce enough more than what they consume to be able to sell it or, or trade it to the artisans, people who build tools and everything right. else. So basically, you can't have a society where everybody's so poor that there's nothing left over from what they produce. They've got to be able to produce extra or you won't have a society. Okay. That's excellent. Okay. Well, um, let's see if we can get a writing prompt. Who am I going to make? I'm going to make Howard do Rob Howard. Hi. <laughs> Rob Howard, give us a writing prompt to take us out. Well, terrific. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I can't think on my feet. Um, well, let's just, let's just go with that, uh, the city in the desert. You've got a city in the desert. There's uh, nothing around it but sand. Uh, figure out why that city is there, how they survive, and, and how they support all the people. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.